We have found the witch. May we burn her? Who do you know she is a witch? She looks like one. Bring her forward. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Well, which one is it? Are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? That is my question for you, Nantucket. Are you? Are you a good witch? What is a witch? Do they exist? Is that real? Oh, it is real, folks. And, of course, that intro before that was uh, the witch. She's a witch scene from Monty Python's The Holy Grail. Some of the Hollywood takes on the idea of witch and witchcraft and sort of the playing into the stereotypical idea of what the Wiccan is. And that pertains to today's episode because today we have a living, breathing, practicing Wiccan. And uh, that's exciting to me. And it should be exciting to you guys. I'm happy to bring you this episode because I was like many of you, had the stereotypical notions of what the idea of a witch and witchcraft was and sort of this, you know, broomstick, spellcasting, Hollywood version of the Wiccan, as it's called. Um, But as I did my own research and the more I dove into it, I started realizing that, uh, wow, it's actually a very practical type religion. And there are a lot of principles, and the basic idea of what they're about is very human and very real and could do the world some good. And so, of course, when I met a real live practicing Wiccan, I said, I need to sit down and talk with this person. So today's episode, uh, we are, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Jessica Hoyser, who uh, is, lives on the island uh, practices a youth choir and uh, is a practicing Wiccan and really helps hopefully break down some of the stereotypes and give us all a better understanding of just what the uh, the practice is about. But before we go into that, uh, I, I do have a, a quick interview. Uh, of course, Film Fest just happened. The Nantucket Film Festival was last weekend, and I had a chance to uh, partake in some of the events, which was really exciting to uh, check some, some of the films out. I caught the Serena Williams documentary, which was amazing. Uh, Ryan White was a director. I thought I was going to have a chance to speak with him, but uh, things got a little too busy. I didn't get a chance to talk with him, but I did check out his film. Super interesting window into the life of a sports star. I have much more empathy for those people that are in the limelight like that, especially the professional athlete. Uh, If you have a chance, check out that documentary. Very interesting and very telling of the life of a, uh, a sports star. Another documentary I was able to check out was uh, Johnny Physical Lives, which was about uh, a young man who uh, had a band and uh, ended up passing away at the young age of 22. And the director uh, sort of made the movie as a tribute to him, a really powerful uh, documentary short called Johnny Physical Lives. And uh, I actually had a chance to speak with Joshua Newman, the director, and uh, ask him some questions uh, about the, the Film Fest experience. And I thought that would be interesting to share with you guys uh, what it's like for these guys to uh, come to Nantucket and uh, premiere their film 
and uh, sort of give it uh, give you guys a little uh, window into the experience uh, from the director's perspective. So uh, I want to just throw to this uh, quick little uh, conversation I had with Joshua Newman, who is the director of Johnny Physical Lives. Um, had a chance to speak with him, and I hope you guys will enjoy it. Let's go to that right now. Anyway, we're here with Joshua Newman, yes. who, whose documentary premiered here at Nantucket Film Festival. And I want to hear about your experience. For Nantucket, we were just talking about how different festivals have different feels, so I thought it was interesting, and we could talk about maybe give us some of your insights I on how, how Nantucket feels. It's super interesting. Um, festivals, you know, you might think that they're just reflections of, of the cities they they um, they're situated in, but quite frequently they tell a story of what the city wants to be, how the city thinks of itself, um, how the city wishes it were. Um, or just sometimes it really does like really reflect some uh, an indigenous spirit that you might not know about the city but um, you know I think that the latter is what I experienced here in Nantucket because you you don't associate Nantucket necessarily with a you know a f f kind of DIY flourishing uh, art community um, but it was really like, a, you know, like a lot of the really great festivals, um, you felt you felt like a real, um, you know, you didn't feel like it was like this corporate, um, corporately programmed. I mean, yes, there are big names involved in this festival, but the community is really behind it. It means a lot to the people here. They come out and to, you know, I had an 11.30 screening and I was like, really, 11.30? My, the theater was packed um, and everyone I spoke to leading up to the festival had no, like, concern at all that it wouldn't be packed. Um, and I think that just speaks to how energized um, the, the, the local community is. Did you uh, describe to me a little bit what it's like to sit through your film? I always wondered that. Like, you watch these directors that are sitting here. What's the experience like? Because you're going to these different places and having to sit there with a new audience through your film, is it cathartic? Is it like, oh, do you look at something uh, and say, oh, God, I should have cut from there and went to there? Is it? Are you constantly editing still? Yeah, well, you... First of all, it's, it's if you... if you work really hard on your film it's it's in, it's why you do it it's enjoyable it's the most enjoyable you know hopefully it's the most enjoyable part of doing the whole film like sharing it with people uh, my story is the story of my brother it's a very personal story so being able to see him make an impact on people's lives um you know 14 years after his passing um is is super um powerful for me um, in terms of sitting in general, I think what filmmakers talk a lot about in terms of, you know, sitting in the, in the, um, in a theater during a film festival or with an audience, um, you start, you re it, it's incredible how much things that feel invisible to you as a, as a patron normally matter in that experience what preceded it, um, what time of day it is, um, um, what the, the age group of the, the age sort of demographic of the audience. Also just like sometimes if, if there's a, you know, one, if, 
like a an early there's just like an early moment. Sometimes people are gonna find everything funny in the film. Other times, no one is gonna find anything funny in the film. Um, and that's you know people have written about the theater experience, so I'm not the first to like right. you know like to talk about. It. But you know there's it's just it's a powerful thing. It's it there's there's you really. You know, I think intuitively you know that it's more impressive. It's it's it feels more powerful to share a film in a theater than on a computer screen. You know, to an individual. You know, um, but it really makes you the collective experience. Of the energy share, of the room. Of sharing a film, the energy of a room, and it really, you know, it really. Um, um, Impacts the way the um, the story gets experienced, for sure. Um, the room here, I felt, was um, you know you, you can't read too much into it because it, a lot it has to do with what preceded it, the time, like this, just random forces out of your control. But um, yeah, my my I think my my crowd my crowd was really moved. Um, we had we were grouped in a. Um, with a with a bunch of short films that were all very powerful and moving, um, so they were in the mood to be moved. Um, time of day, definitely. I time think. of day, right. sure, yeah. Um, How many years did you spend on the film? Oh man, my film I spent I spent like thirteen years on it by myself, and fifteen years if you include the two I did with my brother because. Uh, my film started as a rock and roll documentary um, where I was shooting my brother playing music in the hospital during his battle with cancer. Right. Um, it's called Johnny Physical Lives. Um, and um, be- for a couple of reasons. Uh, for, for one, like I, I like to think that his music lives on. His, he played under the name Johnny Physical. Um, but also the first first album he he sort of fell in love with um, was called Buddy Holly Lives. Um, so it was a little bit of a gotcha. Secret. Yeah, yeah. I love a- like making like little in jokes between me and a dead guy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has ever done, but like there's so many in jokes between me and no one that would was alive would understand. It's part of the reason we're we're calling this this event we're at right now the ghost of johnny physical well i think think he would be your brother would be very uh ecstatic he's here yeah you know we're we're gonna we're gonna play a set yeah and then kimia dawson and these these jokers over here mike kroll they seem like good guys they're awesome well i hope that nantucket treated you well and you'll so much fun and i'd I'd love to yeah And, and you're you're in la you're a designer no, uh, or, uh, I have a magazine background, so I'm a writer. Okay. Um, I've edited three magazines uh, in my career. Um, trying to make a go out of this film thing now, but uh, do you yeah. have something? Are you working on something now? I'm writing two things: uh, an indie film and a uh, sort of period piece uh, dramedy television series that takes place in L.A. and Sell to Netflix, man. Yes. Netflix will take us all home. Well, thanks, thanks Josh so Newman, much. for thanks, taking the man. time to thanks, talk, and we're looking forward to playing. Appreciate it. The people say, do not show this to them. Have so to your parents have not seen the film? No, no. And it's, you know, It might be too hard for them. I, I'm on the fence. They've been incredibly supportive of the film. They love that I'm doing it. They love that I'm spreading the message. Jonathan's message is music. Um, 
his legacy, but it, I mean, they definitely, it's a tough film to watch. It's, people call it, a friend of mine called it Cancer in the Dark. Um, yeah, it's so heavy, it, man. It's I had the same, it's a very heavy film. There's a lot of like, I, I was very moved. It was definitely a lot of heavy themes. It's not an easy thing but to what's like your, sit. What's your take? I mean, would you show, I mean, what? I think it's the essence of who your brother was. And like, I don't think that there's a bigger testament to what you've done Right, but a film. parent still uh, would should they see it at when they're ready to? Yeah, yeah. when they're ready to, yeah. they're just probably not ready to. They have they, to ask. Yeah. yeah, they have to be. I mean, I don't know. I've never done that. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. I've had four. I've, I'm the youngest of three. Yeah, brothers, so I can't. They'll come to it, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, and then they'll realize, and they'll be like, "Wow, yeah. Josh, you made a really great thing that's going to list." In in you know, it, it, it's kind of like I've always. The immortality is like books and yeah. stuff you leave behind. You just kind of live longer than me. Totally. Yeah. That's yeah. why. Like, it's one thing empowering about music and art yep. and film and television is that when you leave, all that stuff is there. Yep. And you could be hope. You know, you're lucky. He's lucky that he had a brother that could bring it to this light. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky I had him. I mean, I I I, I was eight years older than him. So I've I had I when he passed away I, I really connected with this eight year old version of me remembering what it was like to be alone and not have a brother and um, and then him come in and then him come in so I, because I have that memory I am able to think of the twenty two years as like a real gift and not just not just like something has been taken away from me but that I got something. Um, well, so, you did a good job, man. Thanks, I. I Wow, it was a great conversation. Uh, you know, really, what a testament to uh, the life of his brother. And, you know, Johnny Physical lives uh, forever now. Joshua, great job, and uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Hope you guys thought that was interesting. Another film fest down, and uh, another film fest will be coming next year. All right, folks, where are we here? On to the main topic today, which is the world of Wicca or witchcraft. Are you scared? You shouldn't be, because as you're about to find out through our good friend Jessica Hoyser, there's nothing to be scared of. It's a beautiful, smart, balanced practice that really is about being a good person and relating to our natural world. And I'm going to leave it at that. Listen to our conversation and then you guys make your own conclusion. It takes a lot of dips and turns, but uh, hopefully we we flush out some of the uh, some of the things that are keep keeping those stereotypes alive about what uh, a witch is. I don't know. I was just curious and I'm still curious. And I'm open, raised Catholic. I'm open to whatever is out there. So go on my journey with me. Let's let's listen to my conversation with Jessica Hoyser. Here we go. Let's do it. It's time to go inside the whale. Right now, you white whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises. <laughs> Whale 
big as an island. Away, 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 as big as an island. So, um, before we get started, or we are, we, that's the beauty about it. It's just kind of, it can start from anywhere. That's true. Um, uh, you know, I guess the, the reason that I, I thought it was important, because the more research and the more stuff I started digging into the Wiccan community, the more interesting it got. And I think that it's important to, um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that exist out there. And stereotypes and all those things and all those negative connotations that people associate with that with Wiccan and uh, and I noticed one thing is they were they move they're moving away from witchcraft using that word. Some people are, some people aren't. Right. Yeah. But I thought I think, but to put it in context before we talk about that, I thought it was important to get a sense of where like what you where you grew up and 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 you know your background, like what what was your religion growing up? You, sure. Well. Um, Absolutely. My parents are both scientists. <clears throat> and when we, and atheists, and, um, but both very, very full of what I think of as being religious um, uh, interests, very full of reverence for the natural world, um, very full of sort of curiosity and interest in how life is and how um, how life is going forward in the future. What kind uh, of scientists? They are both cell biologists. So they are working on a very, very micro level, studying um, evolutionary, uh, really structural stuff about... <laughs> which, which, which tie into the atheists. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Um, and though you have this this deep desire to know and to understand. Um, there's also tied into that as a scientist, the reality that you're never going to get to the bottom of the, the pool. You won't ever have the full picture or the full story, but you're putting together little pieces of, of Now, when you say the story. full story, are we talking about getting into like the first inception of life <laughs> yeah. Well, there are a lot the of bit, things like that, the Big Bang. Yeah, there are a lot of things that scientists really have put together about some of the inception things that really are panning out to be true. To be true. And yeah, and that you can't. I don't think as a as a person living in the 21st century, I don't think it's worth it to ignore the facts of the story uh, of a, a unifying life story that connects all of the beings, all of the dots in the entire universe to one founding story. I think that's a pretty important thing for us to try to wrap our heads around and try to do, to think that, yeah, there is a, an epic story of the evolution of life on this planet that involves every single being in it. And mm -hmm. that has sort of a, a, it has moral implications, moral suggestions to us as, uh, as humans today for how to think about our inner relationships and how to think about not just with each other, but with the entire um, co-evolution okay. of life on this planet. So where did you, where did you grow up? St. Louis, Missouri. My folks are both professors at Washington University in Missouri. Okay. And did research. So you had a very academic house growing up. It, very much so. It was pretty open. I'm just, I think it's Absolutely. important to get a sense of your, you know, I want to chart the path out what led you 
okay. to, to the Wiccan. So I think it's important sure. to, to sort of put a framework around that. So growing up in a house of academia, there are lots of Nietzsche books and, uh, absolutely, you know, philo- all the great philosophers and stuff. Totally. And, um, my father was very interested in the art of photography. Okay. And my mom was very interested in music and making music with us. My father also really enjoyed listening to music, but didn't make it himself. So we, when we got into church, uh, because they did start bringing us to church really early. Which church do you remember? Presbyterian. Okay. Yep. Uh, we were there for our introduction to God. That's really why my parents were doing it. They wanted their kids. I was asking... I, as a six-year-old, pretty in-depth questions about uh, things I was observing around me. So the squirrel that's squished in the driveway, where does the squirrel go once he's gone? Um, oh, well, he goes into the earth and he becomes part of the dirt and then, you know, flowers grow out of him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened to the squirrel? Like the essence of squirrel. So they started bringing me to church and letting me sort of open the Christianity box. Interesting. And yeah, and I've I've been very nurtured by the church my whole life. I continue to sing. I'm in the church more than any other person under 40 that I know. Um, <laughs> right. Because you, you sing at the... Because I sing. Right. Because I sing, and that feeds me very much um, spiritually in terms of my my whole identity and my whole feelings about community. Um, very much nurtured and founded in a lot of the church story. And I should also say that um, my parents are academics. They come from really academic traditions. But my grandfather was a religion scholar, and he taught divinity at Yale, though he himself lost the concept of God during his um, sort of journey with it. And there are lots of other people on my mother's side who are in that Christian uh, tradition. Yeah. And so that sort of narrative is also in my story very, very much. And I get a lot from the, that kind of, of spiritual thinking because I think that it's a unifying story. It's a story that ties people together through generations, through time. And it, it really does feed some of our need for self and otherness in the world. Well, making sense of ourself. This making this idea of, of a higher power, mm-hmm. you know. And I think the the what was really interesting to me the more uh, the reason I wanted you to sit down and talk because I really it really comes from a personal place with my own raised Catholic, and I feel so self removed, almost leading. Uh, I wouldn't say I believe in a higher power. I guess I'm still processing a lot of that as an adult now, yeah. and I think there's a lot of hypocrisies that exist i i kind of yeah. am under the impression that religion it was created by man to help him make sense of himself he needed yes. some sort of it's the the bible to me seems like i know this is a you know people have said this before but it's the original you know fiction some but but and whether it's wrong or right i think religion is very valuable mm-hmm. to, for this sense of ourself this idea of a higher power instilling that wherever that higher power is. But I also see it as a, a very dangerous manipulator. Mm-hmm. And a, uh, I just, I'm, I've struggled with it, I guess, being raised Catholic. and I understand. And it's particularly the Catholic, like I remember stuff, you know, going and, and 
having to confess your sins at such a at such a young age they they they'd bring you into the church and you'd sit there and you'd have to say hello my name is Doug Cody I'm a third I'm a fourth grade boy and and you'd have to like tell this guy through a wall these it, the whole and looking back on it it's fucking weird <laughs> it's not normal that's not I don't see the beauty and I look back on all these things and I don't see the the things that the one thing that I can say positively about you know, especially uh, organized religion, is that people that have gone through horrific things, it's provided a sense of comfort and faith. Totally. And for that, it's invaluable. And I, I would never I would never cast that in a negative shadow. But I just, I guess for me, myself, I'm still processing a lot of that. And that, that's why the more I, I, I got introduced and started, when I knew you were coming on the show, started yeah. looking up Wiccan stuff. And I, it, it really kind of made sense. I, I actually think it's probably one of the more relative religions that's going being practiced today yeah well before we change the channel can i just respond to some yes of the, yeah what you said about your response your processing of christianity um i get it there's a lot in that story that f- just is gonna feel a lot more like fiction to our current understanding of the world but i think that it's trying to get at a truth of unity between people that what the church is trying to build in itself is that that thing that you're talking about providing comfort providing community um the root of the word religion uh is is greek and it's religio it means to to it like a ligament it's it's what ties together and it's that binding story uh that 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 can hold people together and and I, I I feel you that there's a lot of alienation right now between you know what the church um, I'm making little quotes in the air um, <laughs> what the church is doing on the ground with the actual work that they're trying to do and the story that they're trying to um, kind of sell and that a lot of the the really painful parts of what's going on in the world right now is this kind of it's coming from all corners that the people are trying to push this religious fundamentalism in all different world traditions that's creepy that's scary that really is fear-based and is causing so many problems and i i feel like you know a lot of people just as soon as you even start to see shadows of that fear and of that in those angers and those hatreds directed out out at other people or you know you start to perceive them towards yourself it's like get me out of this building i can't stand it and so the church has a lot to work on with that and well the evangelical in the united states too it seems to be very very manipulative and very uh, yeah. divisive in their yeah. tactics and stuff and just it just from again, I know there's probably great people that are evangelicals, but to me, it, it seems there's not a lot of love. It's like it's like you said, exactly. it's fear based. It's fear based, and and yep. the fact that they're not objective thinking people, right? They're just so convinced of one way and and whatever religion it it, right. it, it it's religion. it's very complex. I know we're talking, we're just scratching the surface. This is a yeah. it'd be interesting to have your folks on because they're I'm sure they're borderline theologians. They're interesting too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. 
Not my father. He waves his hands and said, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> but um, well, a lot of us feel that way sometimes. A lot sometimes. of us do, yeah. And, and with, in respect to religion. Yeah, and, and religion being a big part of it, that, that's, that's scary fear stuff. And, and you want to think of, of the church as being this great way to transcend a lot of our human issues. And you, you reach up and you think about God and higher good and a lot of higher things. And that's... that's that, and good art and good, you know, beautiful spaces that humans have created. At least for me, that's what I try to wrap my head around when I'm in churches is this sort of vertical transcendence where it's this like reaching up and reaching out. And But it's a little hard to do for me in the church all the time. Well, the Catholic church. I need church. the balance. Yeah, the Catholic church is really... I mean, really, you drink the body and blood of Christ... It's really masculine. Through him, with him, with him, yeah. with the Holy Spirit. It's so cryptic. Yeah. I, I don't, and, you know, and, and I guess... It's different. It, it, it really is. is. And, it's, uh... and I think when, you know, as an adult now, we, we're kind of forced to make these decisions. And, you know, I'm still struggling with where I'm navigating to, to place my... I believe that you need to have a sense of faith. <laughs> I believe in believing in a higher power. But I don't... It, I think the higher power can be all around us. Yeah. Not it's a, not up. It's right. down just as much as it's up, totally. if that makes any sense. That's so, exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know. So you don't always have to go up. There's a horizontal transcendence that can encompass everything that you see and are around and to fill you with wonder and awe at being alive. Yeah, yeah. So and it's not about oh, what's gonna happen when I die? Like <laughs> <laughs> So really let, let's go, go back to so where'd you go to school? College. Public school. Oh, well, I went to the same school that they taught at, Washington University, and I studied everything I could get my hands on. Didn't know what I was doing. The whole point was liberal arts education because I was already so passionate and interested about music. Um, I They wanted me not to do conservatory. They wanted me in a liberal arts context, and I'm really grateful for that because I did... I did really amazing. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to be an archaeologist. You know, this year I studied archaeology. Oh, I'm going to be a historian. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be, a, you know, I went through a whole bunch of different stuff in my 20s that that um, was really important um, and is. But the entire time the uniting thread was that I was making music and, you know, I'm a social activist making music. I'm a, you know, like the, this This was the thread, the tie gotcha. that, that, that bound me. So I've embraced it <laughs> so i make music <laughs> what, what was the thread that brought you to nantucket now oh cool making music um i came here to make music with a friend of mine from uh college days who had a job in a wonderful church building here the congregational church and they just opened their arms and embraced me they created um an artist in residency for me and I wow. got to live yeah I got to live with the minister and his wife there and they became like my island family and um just had a really good summer that summer and then enough buzz about what I really wanted to do was just teaching children I wanted to start a youth chorus um and a friend of mine managed to tie me into a grant that she had to do um, just that. And I started a children's chorus that fall that 
uh, I then carried all the way through the year. We got the grant renewed. I did it again the next year. And then uh, the chorus, I moved it into, folded it into the NCMC, the Nantucket Community Music Center. Which is where you are now. Which is where I am now. Yep. Still teaching. and You still have the youth chorus? I still have the youth chorus, yeah. And I'm starting a new chorus or a new group for smaller people, this teaching music together, which is going to be making circles of parents and caregivers of zero to five-year-old kids. And we make music together, um, bringing sort of the, the, the comfort level of parents making music with their kids. With their kids. Up. Yeah, so that we're... You know that, I actually had that idea. I was, this is the first year that I taught lessons down there mm-hmm. at guitar, and I thought, you know, it'd be cool. And for some reason, I had all girls this year, and it would be really mm-hmm. cool to teach the guitar with the moms and the daughters if they could do guitar together. Yeah. Like, do a couple lessons so that maybe the mom could work with the daughter. And it was yeah. Just, but You're there is, right. But there is something about, you know, learning whether it's to sing or play that's mm-hmm. pretty empowering. Absolutely. And just the, the idea that, your, your child is not judging you when you're making music. They are just taking it all in. They're just absorbing. And they get a lot of support in their own minds and developments at that stage because we're all exploring with music from zero yeah. to five. It's, it's, it's huge for everybody. That they're not judging you, but that they want to hear your voice. They really do. And so many of us have these hang-ups about like... Oh, God, when I was in fifth grade, this chorus teacher told me just to mouth the words and not to sing. And right. you know, like, that stuff is still in us. Uh-huh. It, it stops us from singing. And you have to really love people through that, those blocks, and, and get them back into the circle. I never, there's a release in, uh, when you sing. I'm not a trained <laughs> singer, but, and, and, I, and actually, I had to fight it. My, I remember my dad saying, like, What are you singing for? When I told him I was singing in a band, he was like, You can't sing. He told me I couldn't sing. I mean, he's probably still right. But there is something I was just immediately thought of Johnny Cash, you know, singing makes the body feel good, you know. It does. It's such a, it's a release. Yes, it is. For everyone, zero to 80. I've had some really awesome older students who come to me and they're like, it's peeling away these layers of of shell. And suddenly it's like their identity comes out and fills up the whole room. And they're like... When they find they find their voice, you know, it's such a journey. All right. So let's, let's, let's start talking about how you, where you were first introduced to, uh, Wiccan. Okay, sure. I had a really cool aunt who, uh, my whole life was doing tarot cards, tarot cards, and she was doing, um, uh, crystal stuff and she was mood crystals and whatnot mm-hmm, absolutely and she ran a health food store and was just you know right on the edge of out there see now um, we're getting into that stereotype <laughs> immediately I can see you see her I, I can know. see like the 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 mood crystals in the window yeah. and you know the pentagram somewhere and uh, all sorts <laughs> no, of no uh, pentagram I I I wasn't and I haven't ever really dedicated myself to the, 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 the wide world of Wicca as a spiritual practice that is um, in itself has its own structure and, and tradition. For me, I uh, ventured into learning about it as a teenager, as a solitary practitioner is what it's called, okay. where I was at home putting together different 
uh, threads of stories and kind of trying to weave my own understanding. Um, and some of it had to do with cards. Um, some of it had to do with um, books and just sort of the concept of feminism. It was really hard for me to find feminism in Christianity. And feminism, well, let me... Were you thinking about that in high school? Oh, yeah. Really? I was. Wow. I was. Because you, when you're a kid, you're looking out for people whose, okay. whose lives you sort of... And I don't know, I had to read the, um, is it the Crucible? Where, you know, people are witch hunting actively in America, which is supposedly this free, free to have your own religion sort of uh, place. And yet they're killing very innocent, um, lots of women and children and, you know. Right over here in Salem. Very close to here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for practicing uh, religion or not, you know, but calling someone a witch and why that was cause of death in America. Um, it's still it's still very real. Um, I think now the, the, the title witch carries with it the the images of burning people. Yeah. And that's something that's a, I thought it was important to fl- like kind of flush some of that out. And I actually have if you don't mind, I was going to read um, this is the uh, Wikipedia of. Nice. Of Wicca. Okay. And it says, <laughs> I really... uh, Wicca, uh, also termed pagan witchcraft, is a contemporary pagan new, new religious movement. It was developed in England during the first half of the 20th century and was introduced to the public in 1954 by Gerald uh, Gardner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wicca draws upon a diverse set of ancient pagan 20th century hermetic motifs for its theological structure and ritual practice. Wicca has no central authority. Its traditional core beliefs, principles, and practices were originally outlined in the 1940s and 1950s by Gardner and Doreen Valenti, both in published books. Uh, anyway, the edge, that's just a little bit about uh, the, the, sure. the background. I think that's important. Uh, it brings up some very important points. So Gardner um, was one of the first people to sit down and write a codifying book saying this is what a pentagram is and this is what I and and this is how to make a circle but um this what he was trying to capture is a sort of um religious tradition that was passed along orally through um centuries but um has was was actively suppressed uh has been for for so very long that it's hard to say oh this is the authoritative version of this and that is the uh, this is true and that is you 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 can't really find it this is so he he wrote a story yes true about what wicca is but you can't the reason you can't centralize this religion is because it not because it lacks uh, center, but it, it doesn't have the centralizing texts. Okay, it doesn't have... Um, a Bible or a book of... There co- is no right. Bible. There <laughs> is no book of... In fact, the only book that they really advocate for is for you to create what you call a book of shadows, where you are writing your own story of your own interactions with these elements. And, and, and the... I bring up the word elements. It's a very important component of this is that the 
the feeling of orientation in this religion deals a lot with um, how we relate to core elements in the environment around us, those being air, um, fire, water, and earth. Um, at least that's the one that I practice. There are, there are others. And indwelling spirit. Well, like okay. any religion, there's varying, there's, you know, different versions of it. Of course. Yeah. So this, these, these, these core principles are the cornerstones. Okay. And, and they also are at the corners of the, 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 the central way to think about, um, uh, Life okay. <laughs> is it is it is played out between these four cardinal directions. Um, I practice something that's more like the in the goddess tradition. Um, if you read Wikipedia on goddess or reclaiming, um, you'd find other names in it that are that are more in the sort of feminist line. Uh, Starhawk being one. Uh, there, there were a couple of really great thinkers, um, early 70s, who started writing stuff about how important it is for women to start being able to conceive of uh, the, the, the higher realms or the sort of outer um, realms of existence okay. in, fe- in feminine terms. And this, that's where reclaiming came in, where we were reclaiming the image of a goddess. Okay. The idea that, that you don't only have a male deity, you have both male and female Ah, interesting. Okay. So you have these two, two male-female. Male-female, yep. It, and, and what is the most clear um, from history is the interplay of the balance between the goddess and the god as the year cycles, they created these really beautiful uh, holidays for what they think of as the corners of the wheel of the year, which would be at the solstices, okay. at the equinoxes, and the midpoints between those. Okay. So that you're celebrating how life moves and changes in a really organic, circular sort of a way. Um, so it, on the darkest of the dark nights, uh, you're lighting candles and remembering the dead. And on the warmest of the, the hot summers, you are celebrating the abundance of life, of food right. and life. And you create uh, this image of the wicker god, um, the, 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 the growth of the old year that's ready to go down into the dark to become the sprout of the new year. And you burn him. Okay. Things like that. These are, but these are really old traditions that do have stories that link them way back into time. So I started to find that too. Not only this. Now this was this, through your aunt. Through my aunt and through my own reading and my own sort of intuitive work with it. Um, she was the first to give me the 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 medicine wheel. Um, okay, well, no, as we call what's it. What's the medicine wheel? Okay, so medicine wheel. <laughs> medicine wheel is actually more Native American than Wiccan. Okay, so we're bar- it, now we're borrowing from Native now American. Now we're going to Native American tradition. Yeah, okay, okay so this is really, my, my identity is pretty cobbled together here. No, it's uh, interesting. But- <laughs> so it, I, I want to I give people the picture, you know. Yeah. I want people to have a better understanding, and, and this is important to, to do that. So, yeah, yeah so. totally. The Native American has in it the same kind of relational uh, relationship with all that is um, that... I was getting from 
from the goddess tradition, the goddess side too. So in that, you're looking at the world as this cosmic wheel of um, between the elements, the air, earth, water, and fire. Um, and thinking about the four directions on the planet and being able to call in energy from four directions and create a circle in front of you where you're representing uh, sort of or you're feeling into the greater life energy that is exists on this planet. Yeah. So that's and that has a whole once I started going in the Native American direction, there's a huge amount of teaching that in there that um, very, very deep, rich roots and traditions um, to 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 find there. And it's fun to link things together. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just was reminded of um, something that I experienced where I think you have to have a certain mindset and it takes time but to be open to the energy. Like mm-hmm. I was standing at the ocean a few days ago and you can really – you know, anyone that goes and stands right out there, you know, go to jetties or, and you stand by the ocean, you can feel that energy. There's an energy there. And I was walking through the woods with the dogs the other day and I stopped and I just closed my eyes and I could, you can feel there's an energy there, yeah, There is. but you have to be tuned to it. Yep. And I don't know if 20 years ago, Doug Cody would have been t- tuned to it or not, but it's, you know, like it comes totally. and, I, and I think that's why when you were explaining this, uh, Indian wheel with mm-hmm. the earth mm-hmm. fire. Those are mm-hmm. all real things that uh, it yep. feels very uh, palatable to me. <laughs> cool. It is. <laughs> and when you're opening up to those directions, when you're opening up to those spiritual alignments, you kind of start to tune yourself. It's like, it's like being, um, it's like when you're tuning a piano or a guitar, a harp. Okay, you you find uh, the resonance, you find this frequency, and once you get on it, it's it's you're you're riding a wave that already exists. This is a human tradition because it works in the human body. I and and you it there really is that experience. I think I think it. I think once you get into it, the yeah. you of the you who's twenty years into the present. <laughs> You can feel it, and it, it becomes it becomes real and makes sense in a very cool, tangible, personal way, for me anyway. I'll now, say that now for when, myself. when you first started, did you find other people? Like, tell me, walk me through what happened when you first started. How did, did you? Is it a kind of thing where you'd wake up and start doing like rituals, or? I did when I was a teenager do some rituals that were mostly just me reaching out to the nearby nature (laughs) Mm -hmm. as in like but they were totally self-centered so that like my daffodils coming up and there was a snowstorm coming I would burn a candle and talk really really hard to the snowstorm and tell it to bypass my daffodils Okay. And I would, I would, I would sit in circle and I would call. It did. That one did. did. That one was intense. That was my first, that was my first big, wow. Am I really talking to the snowstorm? And I don't, I mean, I don't know how this works, all this stuff, but it, you, you draw connections in. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I also called for snowstorms to hit when I had a physics test. 
spent time creating a circle and not doing my physics homework. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's, you know. Were there other people that you met that got At into this it? Point, or were I you was just, totally were they like, solita- solitary. I like, didn't even uh, share with my family. It was I, super she's weird. a little out there. No, nope, it was me and my books, and that was it. Um, my aunt would talk to me about it. My, my aunt would, would, would listen to me tell stories and would, would tell me about readings she had done and stuff like that. And that was... That was important too to have somebody to now to these speak to. these people had did you uh, Gardner did you did you read his book not until way later and it was with um, so the first real teachers who started coming into my life through this were women um, Starhawk I did get to see her think through my aunt I did get to see her do a circle dance and have this whole wonderful experience with. Um, figuring out who Starhawk was and what the reclaiming tradition was and the goddess tradition. I'm looking up Starhawk right now. I want to see. Okay, cool. Do it. Um, oh, wow. An American writer and activist. Yeah. She's she's really cool. She's also an herbalist. She's also Wicca having, goes with activism. Isn't that interesting? Sure. It's people who really care. You wouldn't be... I mean, <clears throat> that's a total generalization, and I take that way back. But it's, no, don't take it back. It's it's it's, it's a it's a the idea of being on the forward thinking edge of creating a new tradition, a spiritual tradition that will bind people together in thinking about how the world goes forward responsibly and in good relationship, right relationship with the earth. Yeah, and one of the things I wanted to point out too is when I went to the uh, Wicca page, you know, their 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 mantra, so to speak, is no harm to no one or no harm, do no harm, do no harm. Yep, yep. And part of that is that some people are attracted to Wicca, thinking that it's got this dark art um, power. Yeah, we should to talk it. about that because that's kind of sure. the, some of the things I, you know, some of the iconography from from witchcraft and stuff borrowed from the pentagram, which has nothing to originally had nothing to do with Satan. Right. Satanism is not the same as witchcraft at, at all, and it's. I mean. I'm not going to talk bad about Satanists. They have a completely different. There's theirs just goes to another level of of personal responsibility. They have a whole. They have a lot of other things that they're doing. Right. Um. For me, for for most people in witchcraft, they're not thinking about. Um, they're not thinking about power, personal power. It's not about, oh, I'm going to make you fall in love with me, or I'm going to make the snow not like, happen. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't like trying to not make snow. I was, I was just trying to live in a deeper relationship with snow. While, of course, it's, it's more like, um, uh, so there is the element of spell casting. For I love sure. it. A deeper relationship with snow. That's amazing. <laughs> Come on, people. A deeper relationship with snow. I got moved to move to Syracuse, New York, and you'll have a deeper relationship that's, that's with deep snow. One. Oh no, but I get. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I didn't mean to make a no, stupid no, joke. No, you're totally fine. I mean, I, I but maybe I, I was it. in deeper relationship with daffodils because I was seriously into yeah the flowers this morning. It's in, and whatever it, it As worked, a kid. you know. Yeah, and, and and it okay. So so back to um back to the difference between. Uh, Satanism and Wicca. In Wicca, what the what what people are doing is creating ritual that um, is that embraces um, a lot of understandings about the world 
it's not thinking about the devil. That's not, it, it's not about evil. It's not about turning towards any kind of, uh, drinking blood or some uh, crazy no, shit. yuck. Um, there's no, there's no, it's not a power grab. Okay. Except in that it's, it's this vision of creating a new tradition that, um, that speaks to an older paganism than this kind of a one God, um, image that, that we've all been over trained over generations of generations trained to think. It's it's this yeah. repeated notion of just this infrastructure of religion that has this like set things. There has to be one God and this is what Yep. And my God's right and your God's wrong. And a lot of Christians, to to be clear, a lot of Christians are not doing that now. There's a much bigger and it's not just moral relativism. They're actually saying Okay, if you live in India and you have ten gods, you could still go to heaven, even though you don't think about Christ. Um, there, people aren't. Not everybody is sitting around being like, "I have the only God." Okay, but it's it's not reflective of the whole human population. The one God, it it really isn't. Um, in Wicca, you have the lifespan of the maiden, the mother, and the crone of a woman's life as being something that's all honored in the image of the goddess. So the goddess is all three of those things in a similar way to the way you have the, the, the father, the son and Holy ghost in the church, but they just, they don't open it up. Gotcha. (laughs) One father, one son, one Holy ghost. Whereas in Wicca, you're encouraged to see yourself in the goddess and to reflect her and to have indwelling goddess spirit in you. Um, and I think, well, that's a very Buddhist principle. Yeah, absolutely. Cause in Buddhism, the whole idea is looking within self and then relating out as opposed to, that's interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think at the, at the root of, of the more, dare I say it, love centered religions, it's all going to lead back into yourself and being, finding a good harmony in your own heart between yourself and other people and yourself and the. The, the, the larger energetic realm of the world. I, yeah, and I think that that was one of the things that uh, when, when I knew you were going to come on, I was just checking out stuff and, mm-hmm. and doing a little research. And you kind of, like you said, you, you develop your own, a lot of people develop their own version of what works within the Wicca spectrum yes. of, of religion. Yep, And uh, it, it seemed, to me, it seemed pretty empowering and oh, it actually okay. seemed like with all the stuff going on today, I, I really felt like there was almost more of a, a need for, for Wicca than there's ever been. Nice. You know? I agree. I, I don't know if I'm going to go out and get mood crystals and stuff, but I, I, I support <laughs> it. I support whatever works for people. Right. And like right. ba- based on, you know, no harm to no one, if, you know, yeah. if you're happy with yourself. I think a lot of people in, you know, constructed religions could use some introspection and some self uh, realization about themselves instead of just putting faith in blind faith is kind of scary. But, um, I don't know. I, can yeah, you talk a little it. bit more about how the, how your practice, uh, evolved? Yeah. So like I said, I, so I was meeting teachers, um, both really huge ones, um, but also, uh, teachers in my life, people who had followed, um, 
their own spiritual path for long enough that they could uh, look look at me and say, um, here's a teaching, here's a teaching, and hand me little things. And um, I also had some people in my life who were really interested in what I was doing, and so I started sort of showing them and kind of consolidating what I really did think was true and leaving beside on the wayside sort of the things that that I didn't that didn't serve me as much anymore and in doing so I was constructing um constructing something that I felt comfortable standing in and for myself so when um I came to Nantucket I did find sisters here who were already standing in their own places that they felt comfortable in and we started circling mostly just on the moons on the new moon or full moon or on the big holidays in the pagan tradition um and circling is what circling getting together and calling a circle okay so when when you would you would so i mentioned it earlier about the the wheel of the earth where you have um the air element, fire element, water element, and earth element, all present, um, you invite them to come and stand in with you. You invite goddess energy. You invite earth energy. You invite the time of the year energy to come and stand in with you. And um, being able to do that with a group of other people has been just really, really huge and healing for me. Um, In our circle, it's been just women. And that's also kind of healing for us in a way to be to be just seeing each other. Um, and we it's totally when you can. And sometimes we'll plan a ritual and sometimes we won't. And some people are more educated in the Gardnerian sort of rules and regulations of Wicca than others. Some people are just coming in and saying, okay, you want me to look east and talk to air? Okay, I don't even know what I would say to air. So, <laughs> you know, it, it has the I elements I would say thank of, you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for being there. <sighs> thank you for being everywhere. Taking deep breaths feels good. It really does. Centering. It, it really like centers it. us and it really grounds us. And So that's what I'd say to air. So there's a lot of um, other Wiccans on Nantucket. Yeah. How did you find them? <laughs> did, was it through cat? We were at Stop and Shop one day, and you're like, "Oh, nope. I need some mac and cheese." And she's nope. like, "Speaking of mac and cheese, like, we're <laughs> having to my a house for a circle." Yeah, we're having a circle. Uh, no, I found Sister Circle people actually through um, back to my aunt. Uh, she used to give me a Wee Moon calendar every year, and I don't know if the listeners or you have ever heard of Wee Moon. No, nope, drop it on me. All right, dropping it. It's a calendar created of art and poetry by women that also includes amazing astrological, re- serious um, scientific stuff where they're saying, okay, this is the direction that this planet's going in. This is, you know, and it has this, it, so it has this index feeling to it where it has just a lot of authority, but also it has a lot on the planets and the stars and how things are moving and what time is the equinox and what time is the, but it also has this beautiful art from women all over the world, all walks of life, all everything. And um, in the back of it, it lists these artists. And so I actually found one of my sisters through the back of the Wee Moon. 
I was getting ready to come to Nantucket and circled someone who lived here because I loved the poem that she had put in the Wee Moon calendar and didn't think of it again for another year. It was at least a year and a half later. We'd already met through other friends or something like that. Wow, that's and amazing. I, that... And I found, my, I found myself at the first sister circle that I was invited this, to. This They'd been doing this for or years. This, is... this, is pre- this had nothing to do with the internet. It was really just, I would like to be in circle, I said to one person who said it to another person. Wow. And then suddenly there I was in the circle with people. Some people had been circling for years and years and years before I got in here. Yeah, I got to believe Nantucket so, has had a long tradition of I would Wiccans. not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Yeah. The spiritual, the spiritual life here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people call it ghosts, but uh, the, 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 Oh, there's some energy there's out here. There's some energy. There's some island, yeah. crazy energy. Um, Part of it is the ocean. The ocean holds the history of everything. It has all of the memory of everything. Is that what in it? Yeah, that's what I think. Is that uh, part of the uh, Wiccan teachings? I. It's probably in there somewhere. I don't think I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it. It's yeah, I'm sure I've heard it. It's it's in there, and um, and just being able to. So you get the feeling standing next to it. What happens when you get into it? What happens when you literally just get in the ocean and you sit there and you feel the waves and your the feeling in your body is is connected with that ocean wave thing. It's it's a it can be transformative experience and really really healing. Um very healing. I think the thing that you were talking about too that would be interesting exploring is the relationship. It seems like within the Wiccan is it, it really is a relationship with nature. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that? Oh yeah. The idea that that we are in a community of creatures that use water and breathe air, all of us that are alive are doing that all the time that we're all quickened by this fire of life and this all these desires of consuming and um that that it's not just what i want as a human person but that the sunflower growing in the field that we share a lot of our own desires it's been actually evolving to do what it does a lot longer than I have to do what I do mm-hmm. and I, I I can respect sunflower as being its own its own master being its own its own teacher okay <laughs> gotcha. the, the oak tree is an amazing master being um the way that it can preserve itself in an acorn the way that you know the when you start reaching into biological stories biological narratives and think about an egg Okay, um, and really put the egg into context of life next to where you are. That that is something that is going on in in the Wicca tradition for sure, because of the way they've constructed the wheel of holidays, the wheel of the year, the pagan these these pagan rituals, where you you have time, you make time to think about the first flowers, and you hmm. make time in the, in it's 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 a different. It's different than it's not about presents, right? It's gifts. I mean, giving each other presents. Right. And not a consumer holiday. It's about looking out and seeing what's going on in nature. Um, so I guess as we're talking about this, I'm immediately thinking now, there's a lot of different 
variables that there's this wheel and there's a lot of different uh, mm-hmm. things we've talked about. How does that, mm-hmm. how do you, how does that come together? And is it something that like, you know, when, when in traditional religions, you go to church, you have, a, mm-hmm. you know, how, how does all that plan? Do you like, is it a ceremony every, do you do it once a day? Is it a once a month thing? How does it all, all these different things that you've talked about, how does it, how do they come together or maybe does it not come together? Is it just? Oh, it does, but I don't. Um, I, I guess I my don't question. Know how to say it. I guess my question is how all the these things that we were just talking about how they play into the actual practice of it. Um, you know, you have these circles that you meet up mm-hmm. with. Is what you do other than just get together and thank the wind and thank the water? Mm-hmm. What else it, do you do? The circle of the Native American wheel too, or is that something? I do. Um, I don't know. Um, how many of my Nantucket sisters think about it in terms of Native American um, realities, but I definitely do. Um, And I don't know, for me, a lot of my meditation stuff that that is centering and um, a lot of it is still really personal and really going on, on on a a microcosmic level within myself and within my own being and my own understanding. Plus I'm still putting in my Christian stuff. Plus I'm still putting in, I mean, I'm, I'm putting in a lot of science and a lot of other things. I'm, I'm creating my own sort of story. Here. Okay. Okay. So, now that makes sense now. So you're, you're, you're creating your own essentially religion. I am. Based in the Wiccan faith. Yes. Or tradition. It, that is one of the traditions that one I'm heavily, heavily rooted in. Yep, and and I'm trying to grow as a person, and and it it helps to it helps me to remember that um, everything, everything around us, is trying to grow. Uh, Man, I I totally together. with you. I'm I've always maintain that relationships and people if we when we stop evolving as as people like we i think some people they get older and they just kind of just set in their ways you always need to be trying new things exploring new things opening yeah. your mind whatever yeah. you do however you do it it's so important yeah you know not even just you religion. and i feel that way but a lot of people some people reach out they find things that hurt them out there in the world and they get scared and they crawl back in and they say actually I'd really like the orthodoxy I would really like to feel comfortable that in, structure, in that, a structure like, yeah and some people are doing that in Wicca too I mean they're taking Gardnerian rules and being like I've got the spell for this and they can put up you know um they have their own sort of so there, it's not something that's that I'm saying is um, I'm saying it's helped me to get out of a box and to construct my own reality. Um, th- that now I there feel are people in. in the Wiccan community that do spell casting. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that that's a part of it too. Seriously, with their whole hearts, they would like to, but but within are they just tying into some their own stereotype of what a witch is, and they like that, or is it? I think it's different for everybody. Some people are, some people aren't. Mm. I think um, a lot of this Wiccan story makes sense to people because it actually does have good, good fundaments in what, how people think of who they are. Oh man, that's so vague. But um, doesn't matter. Don't worry about being vague. I just it's like uh, prayer in a way when you're when you're doing a spell casting sort of a thing. You are you're invoking, um, you're calling energy into yourself to have some desired results. Mm -hmm. Um, there are cool 
things in written into, <laughs> and now I'm to the written in, written into the Wiccan tradition that say, careful, because as you will it, um, so mote it be. Like it might just happen, and it might come back to you three times three. So, so <laughs> it, that it you could yeah. wish yeah. for somebody to fall in love with you. It'll come back to you times three. So, so you you won't. Is that where the adage "careful what you wish for"? Careful what you wish. Absolutely. <laughs> but coming back to you times three is a big part of the. You know, you send the energy out, but you're not. You don't really know how it's going to come back, and and being that's part of the do no harm. Do no, there will be no harm. No bad doing. <clears throat> no damage because it's gonna. It, it's not a good idea. Yeah, it's. I mean, so. I feel like we're just scratching the surface. We are, of, and, and it's. And, it, and I hope it, it just doesn't be. seem vague, because I'm trying to put the pieces together myself. But I guess what I, what I get from it is it is. It, you take these these ideas and these principles that that exist within the Wicca framework, and then it's up to you to pull together what you like from it, and which is really what people do with any religion. Really, it's what people do with any religion, yeah. And it's not just it's what you like; it's what works for you. Um, and you look out in the world and see what really does work. So they're doing a lot of work with um, Stonehenge, um, trying to figure out what what Stonehenge is about. I <laughs> I, I, got to I, go I have to, no idea. Yeah, it's it's a really what is its deal other than the fact it was in Spinal Tap? Awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we have to get below the surface. Um, the that is about respecting and constructing um, observatory like um, buildings from people who really weren't building houses that were using the energy in a rock that's quartz that's this huge you know huge things. And, and being able to feel um, the permanence of some kind of life on the planet. And also, I got to spend some time in a town called Avebury in, in, in England, southern England also, nearby Stonehenge, very close by. So you're living in England? A lot of people. I visited. No, visited, I only visited. Okay. Um, but Avebury is a, is a stone circle like Stonehenge that's bigger than a city, like the whole town was inside of it. And it had these huge chalk waves around the outside again humongous stones like i'm i'm i can't think of like good descriptor words for how big these stones are um arranged in a perfect circle with a chalk bowl around them now, as a singer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> the first thing i was thinking is this thing's a tremendous instrument but then as a human and walking around it and feeling the way the earth worked and stuff like that these these are ancient um, ideas that worked for humans and we're just we're reconstructing stories now because those stories don't exist in a in a stream from one mouth to the next to the next to the next hmm. um, but uh, but trying to put it back together so yeah there is a there is an element of putting it all together for yourself that is important to remember but also that it is connection connected to ancient ideas and reality is there anything that you would like people to know about the wiccan religion that you feel that i mean i guess how would you sum it up give, give me jessica's summary of of the wiccan sure faith um i 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> the one that's coming to me the closest is... Um, uh, and I don't know why this is sticking out so hard, but it's Mary meet, Mary part, and Mary meet again. And it has this very hopeful vision for the future. That's how we end our circles. Okay. Is to say, we've come happily, we leave happily, and we look forward to meeting again. That there's an optimism, I think, in, in, in having the ability to create uh spiritual and um, God and goddess story and um, whole year long stories that involve growing and dying, the light and the dark, uh, that has a very balancing effect on people. And um, I think that's maybe the, the, the image that I would like to leave with listeners is that um, you can create a tradition in a lot of ways that makes sense to you. You can create rituals uh, that bring into harmony a lot of the the different teachings that are powerful to you and realities that you see in nature and come up with a story that that is yours and that is the entire story of life also. Wow. How lucky that there was a community out here on Nantucket. No kidding. Yeah. You know, and that community will continue to grow. I feel and the other thing we didn't talk about that I thought was interesting that we had talked the first time you brought it up and I was interested was the the idea of the, the you know, it's very empowering. It's a, it's for women. Mm-hmm. You know, in that sense very. of community. Very, very. Which uh it, it is invaluable as well. Absolutely. I think it's it has the power to be empowering for everyone to feel like you're you don't have you, you don't have to live by the book. That it's not about what someone is telling you to feel or think or believe, but that or that there's a right or a wrong even in your thoughts or feelings or beliefs. You don't have to confess. Okay, you, you the the power is of and I'm going to quote Mary Oliver is to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves yeah. and to have your own experience and to share your experience with somebody else um, in, a, in an open, more open format than what we're given in a lot of society. So That's cool. I want to leave it there. I like that. Okay. That's how I want to end it, right? Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. Sure. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you, Doug. Nice to be here. We're, we're back on because okay. Jessica had one point and which is fine. This is the beauty of the podcast is that we have that freedom. Okay, she, cool. she thought of a point that was very important. So we're going to actually end now with this with Jessica's last thought about uh, where religion and science um, meet. Meet. Yeah. My um, and it comes to me through my mother who um, wrote an awesome book in the 90s called The Sacred Depths of Nature where she was deliberately trying to take the scientific, the epic of evolution as a story that would unite people and write religious responses or reflections to it in a book. So that was in the 90s. She met with a lot of really cool people and did some awesome thinking after that. And what I see coming out of those conversations and a lot of really great thinkers, what they've put together is something called being a religious naturalist. And a religious naturalist is this completely new out-of-the-box idea that allows you to not 
have a God involved at all, but to still feel the same kinds of awe and reverence and morality um, in you, in your connection with nature and with your connection with scientific understanding um, that allows you to ha- create your own moral compass. Uh, compass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. From what are pretty, you know, sciencey um, tenets of, of reality. So um, it, it's, it, if you, if you want to check that out, Religious Naturalist Association, just Google RNA, pun intended, they're really thinking about, um, they're really thinking about science as a unifying story, the way that religion is, um, a story that binds people together. And what, what the world looks like if you approach it that way it is a very cool perspective. That's a pretty progressive kind of mindset too. Progressive, yeah. But in an important one because it makes sense because you're taking in these things that science, you can't always, you know, just turn your back to science because science is, you know, there's, there's a cause and effect and there's, there's truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't pretend you don't have DNA. Have a kid and see what happens. The DNA is right. happening. <laughs> Science, yeah, interesting. Well, that, that that's a whole other podcast. Well, when your mom comes, when your mom comes out here, hey, we'll have her on the one. podcast and, and we'll yeah. get into that. We'll flush that one out. Yes. Okay. Cool. Right um, on. That's it. That's it. All right, guys, go out and enjoy the day and uh, get, jump in the ocean. Feel it. Breathe it. Love it. It's in all of us. That's why we live out here. Embrace it. Ooh, wow, that was some heady stuff. Science, religion, the earth, fire, wind, all, all good stuff, folks. All good stuff. Hopefully, uh, I felt like that conversation, there was a lot of different uh, podcasts within this whole conversation. We could have had a, four different conversations, but I think ultimately uh, the takeaway uh, for me, and hopefully you guys too, was that that it's just about relating to the earth and the people around you. Do harm to no one. I mean, come on. It's the golden rule. So, uh, you know, next time you hear someone is a practicing Wiccan, you can say, oh, that's cool. And maybe not think, oh, that's weird. I know. I sure am. I may, I've, I'm open. I don't know if I'll, uh, maybe I'll get to do a full moon circle sometime. Anyway, uh, you know, Nantucket has them. They're out here, and they're spreading that energy out here, which I think is great. And Jessica Hoyson, thanks for taking the time to sit down and hopefully break down some of these barriers here, our, our preconceived notions of what we think a witch is. Let's get back to balance. Let's get back to harmony with the earth. All right, guys, that's it, episode 36. God, I almost forgot what third episode thirty six and uh, Joshua Newman too from the Film Fest, his documentary Johnny Physical Lives. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me, guys. That's it, Nantucket Fourth of July weekend. Get out there, jump in the ocean, enjoy your barbecues. It's summertime on Nantucket. Let's party. <laughs>